0: So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you have come to the right place. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome back. This will be for the second uh, epistle of Timothy, chapter 1. A little background of this one. Paul finished his ministry in Rome. Thirty years of strenuous service as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ had transformed Saul of Tarsus into Paul, the candidate for a crown of righteousness. This second imprisonment was difficult. Friends deserted him and others betrayed him. Only Luke Paul confided to Timothy remained true. Still, despite the encircling gloom, Paul remained faithful and courageous to the end. Facing certain conviction and execution, he declared, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. He wrote this letter shortly before his execution in about A.D. 65. Paul wrote 2 Timothy primarily to give his last instructions to a favorite son in the faith. The letter is positive despite Paul's circumstances. He encourages Timothy to be faithful, reminds him of the eternal blessings that come to the good soldier of Jesus Christ, and once again warns of the encroaching evils of false doctrine. Paul wrote that we gain salvation through the grace of God and through applying the true doctrines taught both in the Scriptures and by living prophets. Much of Paul's message to faithful Timothy is one of warning concerning the current and impending apostasy, which was and would be besetting the church of the Meridian Saints and would be a major concern for those who would be living in the last days. Paul's love for Timothy and care for him to remain faithful and true to the bedrock values of his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, are evident throughout the two letters. So anyway, let's continue here. The heading to chapter 1 says, Christ brings immortality and eternal life through the gospel. Be strong in the faith. We believe that also that this is probably Timothy, uh, Paul's last epistle. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Faith runs in families, in general through not, though not invariably, the Lord sends a, faithful, a faith-endowed spirit into a household of faith. That was by Bruce Ramaconke. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of the of, my hands. For ha- for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be th- thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Gordon B. Hinckley said, Who among us can say that he or she has lost, ha- has not felt fear? I know of no one who has been entirely spared. Some, of course, experience fear to a greater degree than do others. Some are able to rise above it quickly, but others are trapped in pulled down by it and even driven to defeat. We suffer from the fear of ridicule, the fear of failure, the fear of lonesome, of loneliness, the fear of ignorance. Some fear the present, some the future. Some carry the burden of sin and would have would give almost anything to unshackle themselves from those burdens, but fear to change their lives. Let us recognize that fear comes not of God, but rather that this gnawing destructive element comes from the adversary of truth and righteousness. Fear is the antithesis of faith. It is corrosive in its effects, even deadly. Verse 9 Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began? He whom the Lord calls, he qualifies. Our callings are a result of foreordination, not necessarily anything we have done to deserve them in this life. Verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Eternal life is the name given to the kind of life that our eternal Father lives. The word eternal, as used in the name eternal life, is a noun and not an adjective. Thus, God's life is eternal life. Eternal life is God's life the expressions are synonymous. That was by Bruce R. McConkey. Verse 11, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus." that good thing which was committed in, unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are phygellus and Hermo- Hermogenes. The Lord give, give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, and he oft refreshed me, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord... Co- The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus thou knowest very well. Those who are merciful will obtain mercy. So that's the end of that chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.